it comes from a different place. Do you think there's some like serial killer out there whose work is not being appreciated as serial killing? And he's, Definitely. He's just like, fuck. Yeah. He's like, oh, they can't, <laughs> they canceled this do? show. Yeah. What, what do I got to do? <laughs> what do I got to do? I have I have four skin suits in my closet. Uh, yeah. so it like, has do I have to, to be... shoot up a school? Stephen Brock here Hi. to talk about school shootings, and um, yeah, tell us who you are and and uh, what your background is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I spent about five years in education. I started out in New York City as a high school math teacher. Spent two and a half years doing that, and that school ended up uh, losing its funding. And I, I really enjoyed working with kids. I, I really connected with that age group. But um, I didn't really want to keep being an in-the-classroom teacher. So I just built on something that had been working, which was uh, using the laptop, you know, computer platform to help kids develop their creative ideas, mostly music-focused. Um, a lot of them wanted to be rappers, wanted to make beats. Um, some even wanted to write a screenplay or something. But the the passion to just do this was really there and noticeable and it didn't need any coaxing to do uh the kids just kind of instinctively were like hey can you stay after and help me with this stuff and so i thought man there's there's really something here so i i took that idea and started doing it with covenant house homeless youth shelter in new york and then kind of built up a, a program organically that i uh ended up doing in the detroit public school system so that's the a kind of broad overview of my five years in education. Cool. Very cool. So um, did you work at a whole bunch of different types of schools or were these mostly like inner city type schools or was there, you know? Totally. Yeah. So the, yeah, the first school I worked at in New York was, um, it was very small and it was private, um, but it wasn't some like old legacy kind of school. It was actually uh, only four years old when I got there. And the founder's idea was to offer um, the kind of education that he had had growing up, um, small class size based on analysis and not test scores and stuff, um, but for kids who, who couldn't necessarily afford it. So almost everyone's tuition was subsidized. There was like very little um, tuition needed to go there. And it was for kids who, for whatever reason, had opted out of the New York City public school system. Right, right. So you, okay, so I, I, I see what you're saying. So the schools that you've worked in, for the most part, focused on sort of, I don't know if I, this is the right word, but more kind of like disenfranchised type populations. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. I think almost all my educational experiences outside, maybe um, some tutoring stuff I've been with, Families and kids where, you know, money, income is an issue, um, where the communities are going, you know, there's some element of struggle or, or unsettlement. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's been a factor in in all of those experiences in those, in those schools. So is it ignorant to say that like schools like that, do they are they at risk for this school shooting thing? Because it's like, to me, i when I think of a, the, the paradigmatic school shooter, I think of like, 
you know, the Columbine guys are like, you know, usually white middle class, like types of schools, less inner city, like gangster type schools, you know? Totally. Yeah. And that's such an interesting point. And right. And like the psychological makeup of the community at large, it's interesting to think about how that factors in. Um, because you, so I would say, I mean, no, I can't, I can't think of any school shootings that are like really inner city. Right. Um, I think where maybe that overlap comes or something is just uh, this this idea of of like male aggression, right? And and like how does that like how how does that sit in the community? Where does that go? Um, while I didn't see like of course any school shootings or anything like that, um, there were definitely kids who were drifting away into gang life into violence into being around violence and then getting caught up in the legal system so while the expression of that aggression wasn't the kind of headline making parkland columbine sort of thing there was definitely this um desire to kind of like what do i do with this aggression and, and where does it go and how does it kind of end up back in the community as something that you know is is a problem that has to be dealt with for sure for sure so, how should we crack into this convo? Yeah. Looking yeah. at me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really do have to switch the table around, don't we? <laughs> I'm glad. It's a figuring out process. Yeah, no, sure. Do you, what do you think, I mean, what is your opinion on the rash of school shootings that take place in the United States? As somebody that works in education, do you think that is... Is this something that is predictable by the nature of education? Like, wh- how do you see that uh, as an element of, of the school system in this country specifically? Yeah, well, so, I mean, that's such a good question. I, I think when we're looking at um, school shootings, what we're looking at fundamentally is a symptom of something. So um, just in the way that, like, like we can look at like a, the epidemic of diabetes, but you're not really learning about diabetes by looking at it. You start looking at diet. Now all of a sudden, oh, wow, we might have some real causal factors. If you eat Fritos for breakfast every day, if you eat Snickers before bed, I mean, and, and you have a 15-year-old kid who's had that diet his whole life, yeah, there's going to be health symptoms. And I think if we look at that maybe in a more... Um, mental health way like what what are what are boys being fed i mean because let's be honest these are these are all boys young men that are doing this what is the kind of spiritual or psychic food that they're eating um and then this is like you know a school shooting is is would be like a like a a cancer or something super terminal you know i mean it's like a point of no return um, but for mental health as opposed to physical health. Right, right. I mean, I saw a meme the other day that was like, <clears throat> or maybe it wasn't even a meme. It was just some type no of No good thing. statement. Saw a meme the other <laughs> day. Saw a meme the other day. <laughs> and really a lot of wisdom in it. <laughs> put this into perspective yeah. for me. It was SpongeBob <laughs> yeah. with the crying face. Yeah. That, I, like, I love the new butterfly one where it's like, is this? Oh, that's already old now. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. tired of it. Right, right. Is that um, the meme that you saw? No, is this favorite, a gun? No, my favorite one was it was like Silicon Valley, and it was like destroying age-old labor regulations, and it said, "Is this innovation?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That no, is so good. Uh, 
a thing that I saw a thing that uh, they used to have gun training in school. I mean, it used to used to like as a young man, you'd like bring your rifle to school, wow. and they, you know, like shoot uh, shooting like class, fifties or yeah, yeah, like fifties, sixties, yeah. And what has changed in culture in the past sixty years, where that now seems completely ludicrous, and you know, just a bunch of young men walking around with rifles, uh, you know, going into school now seems like oh my god, somebody's gonna die for sure. Um, whereas then that seemed completely normal. So why? You know, what's changed? What is that? Med- I like what you're saying, the psychic diet or not psychic, but whatever, like mental diet they're they're having. Something is is uh, uh, creating this symptom. I would agree with that. Charles, do you think that that's true or do you think that it, this is not this is just because of guns? No, I, I don't think that you can point to it just being guns. I think that's too simplistic. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously something that is wrong that's bigger than than one part of it. it when, whenever we reduce this discussion to like right. individual pieces, it's, it's not very effective. So yeah, there's definitely like much more to it than guns, I'd say. Well, it's the incel thing, right? I mean, that's kind of, I feel like now it finally has a name in a way. The incel thing. Yeah, it's an incel. If part. you were going to define that for for me, for your listeners, how would you? Incel. So incel stands for involuntarily celibate. Elliot Roger here. Yeah, Elliot Roger is like the classic example. But now more and more of these school shooters are like, oh, they're associated with incel groups. There's this element of sexual repression or a lack of frustration, right? That's right. And I think it's young men who truly don't see any value in life. Like they just don't see. They feel like they're gonna just be stuck being alone and weird and ostracized forever. And this is like the way, you know, this is how they get back at society. And, you know, there was, we've had this discussion before. There's a, there was a book written about Columbine that originally tried to characterize Eric Harris, one of the two shooters as like a ladies man. Mm. And that kind of goes against this theory, right? Yeah. But then that author issued a correction later that said, actually, he was not a ladies' man and he died a virgin. Wow. So it's total yeah. 180. Total on that 180. Position. Well, let's clarify what the correction was. The correction was uh, originally in the book, it was claimed that he had been having sex with this 23 year old right. girl who he had been seeing. He had been dating this girl, but later reporting by uh, what's his face that wrote Columbine said that they had not actually had sex when he'd originally said that they had. I got the impression that it wasn't that clear cut. I got the impression it was like that was sort of a whole that whole relationship was kind of like made up. I don't I don't think I don't remember that that was the case, but I don't know. I mean, it, it seems clear to me in retrospect and, and reading the book that like both those guys, as particularly Klebold, right, was just somebody who felt like they could never, they had no shot of ever having. No, he had a that girlfriend. Dylan Klebold had a had a pretty steady girlfriend that he was. I don't know. Wasn't he in love with a girl? He was, was in love something. with a girl, but she he like couldn't talk to her. Hmm. So, uh, so is it the case in all these, or or the the majority of these shooters that there is this element of sexual frustration of wanting something that they they can't figure out the way forward to get? Is that a, is that a common thread? I would say yeah, right. I mean, I would say that that's. I mean. All of these people are like isolated men. Right. 
or who feel uh, mad at society. Right. <laughs> you know, and then they're just going to lash out at society because society has done them wrong. It's, it's left them behind or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, and I, I don't know the exact numbers, but the I or the role of kind of um, who are the who's the father, who's the father figure, where's the male role model? Um, you know, I think it's it's this it's this weird um, you know recipe of I don't know if there's like uh, medication or something like that or a lack of um, father figures, and then this like unrequited sexual teenage you know desire and it's like for certain people all those line up and 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 then of course with um becoming a a school shooter which is now like a thing which is it it assumed this weird you know the way a serial killer became a thing right um you know now there's like a, a a news lane that this falls into that in pretty much ensures um some kind of media coverage like that your name and your face will be seen you go from unseen and unimportant and unrecognized to a a force that has changed an entire community i mean you have created if your need was uh, importance and significance you found the the what I, i think is the darkest path to significance and importance and notoriety um and and that and i think that it, everybody's complicit in making that a thing, and I, and I get why people um, want to learn about this or or see it on a broadcast. But there's you know there's something there's something chicken or the egg about that relationship. Yeah, that's definitely the case. As soon as we have details about any shooter, it's always like one of the top items in any news Absolutely. site. Like, and I and I I want nothing new more detail. Than to oh write. yeah, I want to read all about it. You always see the heavy gets those fa- five facts you need to know out. Yeah. They get those things out right they churn away. Churn it and probably yeah, get yeah. hits There's all so day. Many yeah. Hits on those. They're masters at that. Every time there's a school shooting, I Google it. Yeah. Like five fast facts about. So-and-so. School shooting or of this day. You know who they haven't talked about lately is the Virginia Tech shooter. Remember Virginia Tech yeah, shooting? Yeah, yeah. That was a big one. Too. Yeah, that, that was, was a huge It one. was a huge one. And I always feel like he gets kind of... He gets ignored, right? He doesn't get... Because <laughs> he's, really he's Asian. Because he's why. Asian, yeah, right? He right. doesn't get represented. He's just, well, there's no... It narrative. doesn't fit the narrative. No, the narrative is not... Although right. it, it does in some ways because he definitely has a lot of the same issues that the, some of these school shooters do, but he's not white. Right. Yeah. That's right. like the one thing that's different about that that guy. Yeah, but he had the the sexual frustration right. aspect. Right. And, definitely. But he would also seem very mentally ill. I don't remember his deal really. Again, yeah, he's one of the ones who's kind of faded. You don't hear that one yeah. that that much. Yeah. That was that was a pretty brutal one though. Right. But he was his his teachers were scared of him. He was writing weird poetry yeah. and everybody thought he was had mental issues. There was well, a lot it going seems on like now more and more like each the cases it's like it used to be like, "Oh, we had no idea." Yeah. Whereas now it's like, yeah, a month ago he said he was going to do this. Very, like he said yeah, exactly. Yeah, he literally yeah, said yeah, yeah, what yeah. he was going like, to yeah, do. Yeah. We just couldn't do anything about it. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The interesting also difference to me in terms of the fame aspect is some of them kill themselves and then some of them don't. Right. And so my whole thing is if you want the fame, then why do you kill yourself at the end? That's an interesting question. Right. Like if... That it seems like then that wouldn't be the right. motivation. 
yeah. that seems more like this take as much with, with you, you as you right, go exactly. which right. is like a maybe that's the the truly the end of the line of thinking that there isn't anything worth saving here right i couldn't be any part of society even as this warped famous figure right that it's just about this is just my exit away saying that there's nothing left exactly here. it's just harming it's like vengeance in a way it's like i am going to harm society back because I feel so harmed yeah. by society. And instead of directing that anger towards the f- causes, I think so many young men don't know where that despair is coming from. I, I think they, they don't really have a target for it. You yeah. Know? And so they're just like, well, I'm just going to do the worst possible thing I can think of, which is just like kill everyone I, that's around me. Yeah. You know? Well, there might also be a fantasy of what the fame is going to be like after death that they don't think that they need to see right that they'll be remembered it can still be this. a yeah, motivating factor yeah, even yeah, if yeah. they don't end up living to to see what happens and in fact it may be better for them that they don't because they don't actually have to face the reality of how they're actually portrayed right then they can like bounce out yeah because dylan harrison and eric liebold they were obsessed with like beating the number yeah. that was their whole thing like, remember the movie frighteners or like natural born killers are like trying to kill as many as they can. Like right. they, it becomes they, a game. It right. becomes gamified in a strange well, this way. The fucking fucked up thing is that it's true. It's like all those memes when the Australia shooting happened, it was like seven people killed and they're like, you gotta get those numbers up, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, it's yeah. fucked up. It's horrible to say that, but it's also like, it's, it's like, this is true. JV. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, whoa, what's the number? Like, and then that's how big you are. Like, that's how yeah. famous you get in the, you know, all things considered. Do you remember the Bjork stalker? I'm yeah. always obsessed yeah. with the Bjork yeah. stalker. Do you, Do you know the that? Bjork uh, stalker? He was no. this guy named Ricardo Lopez. In 1996, he started this video diary uh, talking about how he was going to kill Bjork mm. because uh, she had started dating Tricky, I think is what it, the timeline, the, the rapper Tricky. And <laughs> she... She uh, she's Icelandic and Tricky's black and Ricardo Lopez was Latino but did not want her dating. Tricky, wait a second, That's right? Not a, I think you're saying who am I thinking of? Thinking... Goldie. <laughs> I don't know rappers at all. I have no Goldie. To... Is that Kane West? <laughs> I sound like an old man. <laughs> <Yeah>. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Bjork. Goldie. Goldie. Bjork dated rapper. Goldie. <laughs> it's gonna be like somebody really uh let's see tricky the rapper <laughs> the rapper tricky goldie, goldie. all right so oh tricky fuck you tricky. <laughs> tricky is an english producer vocalist director actor and musician eat okay. my dick yeah. <laughs> fucking okay. sorry i was wrong <laughs> Uh, so she was dating Tricky. <laughs> Tricky. Thank you. And Ricardo Lopez got so mad that he designed an acid bomb. Wow. And he mailed it to her. And before, as soon as he mailed it, he shot himself. Jesus. So there's this weird, long video diary of him like descending into madness. Yeah. yeah. Really but he funny. didn't stay to see if it worked. He like killed himself as soon as he mailed it. Right. Because whatever fantasy he had in his head about what would happen was going to be preferable to the reality. And in reality, they discovered the bomb after he killed himself because his body was stinking up the apartment. The apartment people called the police. The police found the video diary. And, and they like, intercepted. They intercepted in time? Yeah. 
That seems like a long timeline, though. But uh, yeah, well, but so like the fascinating thing is you can see him document this. Uh, well, and I, what's interesting is I mean maybe there was more um, of this targeted towards celebrities or presidents or something in the past. Right. This idea of somebody going crazy and they and they affix a like some focal point of all their frustration like whether or not it has anything to do with anything they've decided that oh john lennon is the right. is the core of this both love and hate this frustration and then and so for it's interesting that schools have become this target right. because celebrities have this kind of weird allure like you they're already presenting themselves as fantasies in a way so the fact that somebody with a distorted sense of reality would lock on onto that is maybe, I don't want to say more understandable, but like there's something already strange right. about the relationship of fan and, but a school is a very normalized environment. So I wonder what about this time uh, has made that the, I think it's because it's the ultimate taboo in a way, you know, I mean, it's, it is also kind of interesting that like the eighties and nineties, that was, or the seventies through nineties really was like the age of the serial killer. Yeah. That's when we had all these great, you know, not to say great, but like these These, fascinating serial killers. These great serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's like, you know, we had John Wayne Gacy. uh, This was, what's his name? You remember. Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy, Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. We had this like streak of like celebrities, bunch, yeah, yeah, who all became legends. Yeah. Know? Um, and then today it's true. It's like now the serial killers kind of nah, no, there really aren't any anymore. And now it's like the mass shooter. That's yeah, that's taken the place of it. And I think it comes from a different place. Do you think there's some like serial killer out there who's work is not being appreciated of as course. serial killing and he's, Definitely. he's just like fuck yeah. he's like oh they can't they <laughs> canceled this show yeah what, what do i got to do <laughs> what do i got to do i have get... i have four skin suits in my closet <laughs> yeah, so it has like, do to, I have to be... shoot up a school yeah. to get it pay, pay attention to it's weird, right the idea that it has to be kind of all at once now right, which is yeah. very much the way media like it's like oh you yeah. go infinity war and then it's huge and then it's like it fades away and then a couple months later it's some other big, <laughs> big like poles. it's binging it's like it's the equivalent yeah. of binging or yeah, something you need to be a blockbuster killer now yeah. you can't just like do one by one yeah no, no. there's no there's no artisanship in these masks <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah the indie films of murder <laughs> yeah. are yeah. over nobody's interested in those mid-range <laughs> the middle murders. the middle class yeah. of <laughs> the middle class murders yeah they just not interesting <laughs> <laughs> blockbuster murdering. That's, yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. We've we've solved. We it. cracked it. It's yeah. it's blockbuster's fault. Yeah. No. Uh, but it. I think it's. Um, it's. T- I think serial killing is different because I think serial killing at least like the people get they're doing it. The motivation is probably similar. Like they feel angry at society and totally alienated and powerless, so they do this thing that's like the ultimate power. Right. You know. I think it, the motivation's the same, but it is funny how the profile is very different. Like these are all young weirdos, whereas serial killers were all like, you know, they, I think a lot of them were like kind of good looking and no. like sort no, like Ted Bundy maybe. Bundy. Ted Bundy was good looking in the seventies. Right. Okay. Maybe not good looking, but they, they were all like living double lives, basically. Kind yeah. Of, you know. Right. And they're there was grown ups like... living double lives. Where these are all kids. These are all like eighteen year olds. Um, although I guess the Vegas shooter was 
older, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, okay. So what are the reasons that men are feeling young men are feeling such despair? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, one, so, so these, these shootings are like outlier cases or that are are really big and and really extreme and, and easy to look at. But I think from my own experience teaching, um, there, there's this kind of pervasive feeling that I had while I was there that like a, a school, the, the way the school day is set up is not geared for the average teenage boy or young man. Like that there's a lot of sitting around, there's a real, um, there's a lot of restriction around being physical and you end up being kind of, you know, cutting off an element of this natural physical aggressive masculine component and and I think our society at large doesn't necessarily know what to do with it I think there's been a lot of great work and strides towards making sure that there's opportunities for women and a focus on female empowerment and I think that um, that focus has left a lot of young men without with with just a sense of like hey you should um, know what to do. You should. You're a man. You you, you you've kind of got an easy hand that you were dealt, so you should be able to play this well. And if you're not, you know, sack up and and do it. Right. There was just this article I saw that was so funny in the New York Post about. Did you guys see this? There's this 30 year old guy whose parents evicted him from his house. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, the the Post is taking this as like you know a chance to say, hey, we're not raising our our boys right. You know, right? There's there's this been this spike of there's there's now more thirty year old guys living in mom's basement right. than ever before, yeah. and I and I I don't see that as different from the school shooter thing. It's it's a different symptom, right? But it's the same thing. But it's yeah. born from this same problem, this same lack of of psychic, spiritual, whatever mental food that's being eaten right. that's leading to this kind of mental health issue of, of feeling directionless. And, and some people turn that inwards. Some people just don't use their talents or whatever. Some people go outward and become aggressive or want to become like a, a pickup artist. Like, oh, I'll show you. Yeah, oh, I'm, right, I'm right. dominant over everybody. Um, so there's all these symptoms. But I think underneath it all is this lack of a proper male nutritional upbringing that's right. leading to healthy, productive members of society. Yeah, no, I think it it, def- it goes into the low birth rate thing too, right? It's, we're facing now like the lowest birth rate in 100 years. And I think it's true. It's men are increasingly this like bottom half of men are just checking out in all these different ways because I think it just, it seems hopeless. The The competing in the race to them they're just like what is the fucking point why would i do it yeah why there's no point there's no i don't get anything out of it um so and something and but if you're alive you still gotta do something and and i think like you know the role the the role of like a, a gang or something in in some down and out community is essentially being like look you're you're at some bullshit school with 40 kids in your class and some teacher doesn't give a shit we'll give you group identity there'll be money there'll be perks with women or parties like we're all the things that you're not getting we have a concrete answer we will solve it now you might risk spending 40 years in jail for the kind of shit you got to do for us but 
let's be honest, you didn't really have anything going on anyway. Right. And now you're somebody. So it's a, it's actually when people are talking about stopping gang violence and stuff, I mean, you really got to get to the root of what are the opportunity? The is somebody has. really skipping Harvard law school to join a gang? Yeah. <laughs> or, or is it just like they were at some, you know, piece of shit? place that didn't care about them anyway yeah. so they're like well at least somebody seems like they care yeah, this is my only chance to actually pursue things that i want and i think you're exactly right and this is why you don't see this happening on the lower end because i think really like low class people uh, i'm using air quotes here low class you know low yeah lower class, economic whatever, lower economic status people yeah like they as weird as it is to say have that outlet either in gangs or you know, just kind of living outside the norms of society that they can band together and kind of like pursue things in that way. Whereas I think the the middle class white kid who has like a decent amount of opportunities, but you know, maybe he's weird, just like Elliot Roger, you know, maybe he's for whatever reason, just not in the like group that seems like they're going places uh, what outlet does he have? You know, he doesn't really have anything. And I think it used to be, and this is kind of uh, an indication of how successful our society is at squashing dissent, which is that it used to be, if you were really frustrated with society, you'd like join the anarchists or the communists or the, you know, you'd join up with other young frustrated men and like go meet at the coffee shop and like plot. You know, that's how World War One started. It was a bunch of like, angry Serbs who were just like, like kind of losers. And one of them just shot the fucking, you know, Archduke. And that was what happened. Like this guy was a total dud. Like they weren't well organized at all. And there is no place for that. Now there is like no active rebellion against society for people in that middle class. Like, what are you going to do? Go join the, I just feel like there's no organization for angry young men to like, rebel against the the system really yeah other other than creepy ones right i mean and that's what this has become i mean kind of now this incel thing i think is is we're starting to have a name to refer to these young men but the problem is these young men's targets again society is so successful at like cloaking the actual root of the problem that why don't any of these guys go shoot up goldman sachs right you know, how come the... Not that who, we're endorsing not that. that. I'm not endorsing that at all. I'm just saying it's like there are reasons for these men feeling like they have no place in the world, yet those are never the targets of them. You know, they're never targeting the government. They're never... Rarely are they targeting the government. They're just targeting their classmates because that's easy and they don't know who to target. They're just like... They have no, it's not clear where the oppression is coming from, I feel like. Yeah, right. And there's, and the school is the, is the first degree of proximity, right? Right. Like yeah. the, those causal, you know, entities you're talking about are like three, four, five, six degrees off. Separate. Right. You have to be, you know, of a certain mind to research and, and begin to put the pieces together. Oh, what, what, what is, what's really driving this? Yeah. Why do I feel so? What is the real reason I feel completely? You know, because that's it is true. Why do men feel so completely purposeless? Like what? Right. Why? What is it? What's the real reason? And that I really I think know. that's the elephant in the room. And, and right. the idea of of guns is 
the way that kids look at school, like these these broken young men who are shooting up schools and causing all this damage and harm and and death and stuff, they're looking at schools and they're like, that's the closest thing right. to my... I think the analogous case is people looking at guns and they're like, that's the closest thing to this exactly, issue. Yep, they're saying yep. this is the, this is... This is right here, and guns, without a doubt, are a, a tool that allows people with these sick thought processes to enact a, a significant amount uh, of violence. So it's very easy to look at that. But again, we're we're just dealing with symptoms. You know, I mean, you can be giving insulin to the diabetic, and that's helpful. But I mean, why? Where did the diabetes come from? I mean, until you address the diet. You're ne- if if the real goal is not just band aids, but to really get yeah, to underneath, right. and um, you know it was, it was really interesting. I mean, this is this is just kind of uh, anecdotal, I guess, in nature. But the one teacher that I really worked with in that first school, uh, who I saw really addressing this, he had had an MMA school, and he was very used to the roles of being uh, like physical and disciplinarian, and he really had the ability to offer tough love tough in the sense that he wasn't making emotional decisions he was making sound reasoned decisions based on like larger ideas but he was loving there was mean cruel elements to it and i mean the kids absolutely especially i'm really talking predominantly about boys but really all the students they loved it they felt so close to him they there is a way they could get their physical side out and there was a level of discipline and also there was a level of like a rite of passage you know there's not a lot of rites of passage left in our society you look at almost any society throughout time there's some initiation there's some way you go from being a boy to a man we don't really have those anymore. You know, a fraternity is kind of a warped right. version, but it's still, it's it's lasted through changes in culture and still yeah. relevant. Well, but and look what's happening in fraternities. They're all getting kicked off. My fraternity got kicked off campus. Yeah, and, mine uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but that's fucked up. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. It's like, you're right. Society itself has basically become terrified of like youthful masculinity because youthful masculinity is violent. It is aggressive. You know, it's aggressive and you you do need to have those really risky challenges and to not be safe. You know, you need to be unsafe. Yes. And there used to be a tradition of that. I mean, you know, it, that used to be celebrated in a way. Yeah. You know, and because you're right, it used to be like about, yeah, you do that, but then you find a way to have discipline well, we don't, over in, that. In general, in this country, we at least a certain section of the population finds it very difficult to have any risks at all right. for their kids exactly. to be involved in. We we want to we've eliminated risk almost entirely from an entire generation of kids. Yeah. And not to turn into the the helicopter millennial cry, you know, person that cries about that. But it, I I did notice that when I was when I briefly worked with kids right out of college I was a summer camp person and you'd kind of see like the parents overly worried about these very small risks that their kids were taking right and trying to like not have them present at all and then there's that idea right of like if you don't get chicken pox as a kid it's really dangerous to get it as an adult and like of course any natural feeling person would go I don't want my kid to get chicken pox but it's like oh wait a minute we actually have to the idea of of being safe is it's it's a layered concept, right? right? Like yeah, somebody yeah. that never has any exposure to any illness, if then you throw them out into the world, it's like, 
you have no uh, defense against bacteria or virus. You know, I mean, all right. these things are just able to come wreak havoc on you. So why did that happen? This is the thing that's interesting, and this is happening all over the world. I mean, the same exact thing is happening in Japan. You know, it's this is a worldwide phenomenon. Why is this happening? Why suddenly has that masculine nature become removed from mainstream society? Like, why is that now gone? Like, what happened? Why? <laughs> like, wait, is it something in the water? Like, well, is there I, well, too think, much fluoride in the water? Like, what? what is going on? Well, well, the question is, like, what... So, when that is necessary, what, like, what... Like, I mean, I think it begs the question, like, what, what is it useful for? If you're, if you're living in some, uh, like, you know, if we're in, in uh, colonial American right. days yeah. and, and you're setting out West and, the, and you don't know what's out there and who knows, there could be all kinds of forces that are coming in uh, to, to hurt you and your family. Having a strong, aggressive male leader is, that's a good skill set to have as a protector, as, a, right. as somebody who's discovering things. I mean, you would want that. You don't want the person who's averse to physical contact because they're going to get very easily squashed by somebody who's well-versed in it. Right. So it's weird because society is moving in these... Like, how useful is that skill set online, for example? If you can have an avatar that looks like anything and you're all just using right. words, is, is, is aggression that useful? Yeah, and the, the world has been settled. It's like, yeah, now, now right. it's really true. We, we have this global culture. And when you have a global culture, you stop having enemies. You know, you stop yes. having danger. You know, it's, it's like, like anti-tribalist. Right, right. And it's like, now I can't look at this other... Oh, I can't go to war against these other people because now, oh, every war, there are people too, you know? <laughs> But really, it's like I think you'd need that. You need tribalism to a certain degree, or else society just gets like this gross, atrophied, you know, kind of weakness. And unless aliens invade, you know, I mean, it's like that's why I'm kind of a little bit of a nationalist in some ways is that it's like, you know, I don't, I have no interest in being racist to people. I don't think that Muslims are evil or anything remotely like that. But I do think that having a strong identity of your people and seeing how your people are different from another people, that's powerful. Like that polarization, you kind of need that to feel a purpose. Well, and right. Cause then otherwise, what do you do? What do we all, it's like, it's true. Then we're just all, Oh, harmony. We got what we wanted, but that doesn't really work. Well, and I, well, I think what you said, because I mean, this is, I think this, I can say this with no value judgment on whether where we're quote unquote going is good or bad. It's, I mean, we have, we being men, I guess, or, or we as humans have these, we came from somewhere and we have this, these propensities built into our disposition. So as much as we'd like to say or have an idea that, oh, we don't need them anymore or, or whether or not we do, they're not just going to go away. So if we try to ignore them or act as if they're not there right, or shame exactly. it when we see it, then all we're really doing is pushing it below right. the surface and it's going to keep coming out in these unhealthy ways. The only way to prevent it from having these kind of like psychotic breaks with reality is to give it a lane right. to, I mean, like I, I could look at my dog and say, I don't want my dog to have a lot of energy. 
it doesn't change. My, my dog still needs to be run hard. Yeah, and yeah. she is a better dog when she gets run hard. If I don't take her out for a while and that builds up, she will start destroying my place. She'll start chewing <laughs> yeah, shit she'll up. Eat it up. She'll eat, inside, she'll eat yeah, it up. So like, I have to recognize this is her disposition yeah and i have a way i can go hiking i can throw her a ball whatever but i have ways to uh, literally exercise yeah and and respect what she is and then she's cool she can hang she right. can be with the fam she can be in my place alone but if i if i lie to myself about what who she is and what she needs it, it just harms both of us because the energy comes out in destructive ways that are basically saying hey you're not honoring what i am by nature right and that's what that's kind of i think where we're at is that we're like oh yeah young man oh boo-hoo you know that's not a problem that's not really a problem right like we need to you know focus on women's rights and it's kind of like yeah sure fine but it's like it is a problem obviously and so you can continue to just pretend like it's not a problem or like you're saying you can just acknowledge like you know, until you start just cutting all our balls off from birth, like men are going to need these these outlets uh, to some degree. So what would you guys think about somebody asked me the other day, uh, maybe a potential solution would be like a, a draft, a mandatory draft where every young man like has to serve for you know, six months or something. Obviously, you don't have to go to war, but you got to, like, work on bridges or some shit. You know what I mean? That's what Israel does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that the idea that uh, that is a rite of passage is as good as, as any other. I mean, it's tough because I do love the idea that in America you can just freewheel it, you know? I mean, I don't necessarily want the... I don't know. The, like... Kanye West or the Kurt Cobains or the weird artists that I love that have had like do I want to put that guy in a uniform and make him do some other but at the same time I mean not like for a whole life just like as a no, young man yeah and I, I mean Jimi Hendrix was in the Air Force so I mean it's not like it's cutting off yeah it's an interesting idea I do think that um the Donald Trump election was super interesting because it kind of everybody all of a sudden was like oh holy shit um like I call, I've taken the call in uh, the Obama presidency, presidency, the brunch years, because it just felt like it was this very easy time. Like, oh, we've got some quote unquote woke guy in office. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm like bringing up drone strikes or people are like, well, I mean, whatever. But with Donald Trump, everyone's like, oh, holy shit. Like this is even Bernie Sanders was a sign of like, there's something different going on here and we need to be involved actively in society. Yeah, and yeah, we don't yeah. all have to agree. We can think very different things, but it, it is an active process. Right. Bettering society. And this is something, I mean, you, you don't see any shootings happening in the Asian countries. And that's because, you know, the East Asian. And I think that's because they feel a deep sense of purpose. You know, they community. Feel, yeah, they feel like, okay, we are all working together to make this country better every day. We're all working, you know, whereas here it's like, you know, I, there's a certain amount of like taught self-hatred of America that we all get, you know? This, yeah, there's yeah. a guilt factor. Yeah, it's like, oh, the country is, tear down the statues. Oh, Thomas Jefferson had slaves. Everybody, you know, America's horrible. We all learn that. And so it's like, okay, well, what am I doing then? You know, for people who don't have that, not everybody has that really intense personal drive to 
be a great artist or a great businessman or something. A lot of people have that, but for the, not everybody is born with that. So if you don't have that kind of drive and really all you want to do is just like have a purpose in your life, that's kind of why you need things like nationalism or religion, which are both dead now, basically. And, and I think they're not dead, but nationalism's back. What are you thinking, Charles? You're being very quiet. Um, <laughs> I actually, I, I agree. I would not be opposed to, and again, it's easy for me to say now that I'm 37 years old. Right, right, right. Uh, so I, I don't want to sound, I really don't want to sound like an old man complaining about young kids because there's, there is some element of that. The other thing that has to be kept in mind is how, statistically speaking, how often are school shootings happening? Like how a lot, isn't it? It, I saw a thing that said it was like very frequent. This is a whole other conversation. Yeah, but what I want to say is, I don't want to turn into old men who are doing the thing that old men do about every generation after them, which is saying, "Oh, these these kids, they don't have any fucking respect for anything." I don't want to sound like (laughs) that these days. I don't want to be that guy. So. Take what I say with that in mind. Yeah. I'm not interested in being an old man who's complaining about about the generation because all generations are different than the ones that came before. I do think it would be valuable to have some kind of, I don't know if it's a draft, but some kind of mandatory service that everybody participates in, if only to have that kind of group organizational spirit. Being a Boy Scouts, as dumb as it was, was a lot of did me a lot of good uh, from a personal development yeah. standpoint because you get to kind of be... You can be in charge of other people. You learn leadership, but it's relatively low stakes. Like if you make a mistake, you just learn from it right away, and it's not a huge problem. So I agree. I would be in favor of that sort of thing, but I would worry about what form that it would take and and, and how people could exactly participate. But I'm in favor of that stuff. I think yeah. that's great for just for development of youth in general. Uh, so, you know, it's I've gotten like the nihilism bug recently myself just i like i i have myself struggling to find any reason to care about anything you know not anything but like anything any reason to care about belief in nothing yeah (laughs) no i mean it's like you know not care about anything but care about anything beyond making more money you know beyond me advancing in my personal career in advertising and like moving up the chain, like I, I, you know, and just saying fuck everybody else. All I'm going to do is just make it to the top, right? Because I just don't. It's it's hard to see other purpose. It's like if I'm not religious, you know, I love America, I really do. But it's like I don't see how to help or, you know, I don't know. I'm in. I'm like I'm struggling with this right now. A bit now. of a funk. No, it's not a funk. It's just I I don't... You should be dedicating I, I mean, 100% of your energy to this podcast. <laughs> not a huge fan podcast. No, I <laughs> mean, I, be your it's like I don't want fame anymore. You know? Did you I, want it I before? Yeah, I think so. What I, did you want to be famous for? I, I didn't have a plan. Just being me. <laughs> Kardashian, uh, <laughs> Kardashian yeah, famous? Yeah, um, let me put that together. No, it's like, you know, I just don't see... I can totally sympathize with these incels or neats. They call them neats, which is What's that? not in education uh, something or training. Employment education, not in employment education or training. Neat. It's just kind of opting out. Yeah, it's like a, a young man who is not in any, uh, not He's doing anything. Out of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not doing Couch anything. potato in my parlance of my time. Yeah. So. What does it stand for? Not in employment education or training. Yeah. Not doing shit. What is it? Yeah. 
so I sympathize with these guys to a degree because I also find myself not, you know, it feels good to have purpose, a, a deeper purpose. And I just sometimes I lose the feeling that like, why should I care about anything? You know? Well, and I, th- I think what, what it can be easy to <laughs> look at the, I mean, that's great. I'm a, I, I, you came to the right guy. <laughs> no, but, but I think all the, the idea of a draft or boy scouts or, or MMA or whatever, I mean, these are all answers to community, right? I mean, right. these are all communities. Like as much as we focus on the individual in America, we are built as like social animals. Like, right. We don't do well in isolation. Isolation is, you know, you can look at it scientifically, spiritually, in any lens. And uh, unless you're purposely going there as a monk to learn about yourself, like voluntarily, everything outside of that case seems like it's some kind of, there's some kind of deterioration that goes on with it. And I think, but, and the inverse of that being people kind of are at their best when they feel like they're part of a community and what they're bringing to the table is, helping it's it's true to themselves and they're helping that's kind of best case scenario right, right? They're playing a role in, in something yeah that they're like the place is helped by their presence right. they're offering and it can be anything it can be that you babysit someone's kids or you're a doctor or anything but america seems like this big wild weird right. thing yeah. and that's like how do i become part of that that's i don't know i can't steer that's that's trying to steer the Titanic. It's too yeah, big. I can't right. do that. What is what? Yeah. Exactly. But like, you know, the small, and, and that was like something I really had to kind of, I don't know, accept, I guess for lack of a better word in teaching is like, I really wanted these big flag waving, huge victories. Like, Oh, imagine these crazy. And that same teacher, the MMA guy had such a funny take. He literally looked at me. He goes, you got to be cool with the small victories, yeah, man. Yeah, like yeah. you're 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 looking too big. You're you're gonna you're gonna burn yourself out. You're gonna be disappointed. Look at this kid who turned his homework in today, who hadn't done that for two semesters beforehand. You got to be like not just happy. You got to be pumped about that. Right. That is that's real honest change in the world. That's hard. You've been living in your imagination about what this is, but the real change is it doesn't look like you dreamed it. I mean, maybe down the line it can, but it's a bunch of these small victories strung yeah, together. And small, you got to focus on those small things. There's a great quote from the Tao Te Ching that's running a large country is like cooking a small fish. I always like that quote. But uh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. That's what, uh, yeah, you got to help me find my, my next purpose. Even if it's small, what do you focus on, you know? What drives you, Charles? Um, no, I'm... I live a sad, meaningless existence. <laughs> but I've accepted that. You just have to let it seep into you. And, and slowly just realize you're just living to eventually die one day. Oh, God. <laughs> no, Charles, you seem like you've been doing better recently, though, actually. I feel like there was a marked change in you like, like maybe six months ago, what five months ago. Really? Maybe like three months ago, what we started dressing better. You started being less like of an angry curmudgeon. I feel like let you, me let me explain. Me and yeah, Gracie, school, school. Me and Gracie both noticed when you started dressing better. When uh, you talked uh, about it. Isaac, uh, we used to do this at Isaac's place. So Isaac would think that uh, I wasn't dressing very well, even though we were just coming to his place to do this. There's yeah. no reason to dress up. 
right? It's a audio. Everybody, everybody agreed that you were a bad dresser before, before recently, and then you got really good. Like I, when you came to the Vandal launch party, you like clearly were wearing. But like, it was a, it was an event. Like I know. Y- you're comparing me wearing my slob clothes over to do a podcast to me coming to your your launch party. So there was no change recently where you were like, I'm gonna try and. Not in my dressing habits. I put on ni- I put on better stuff when I'm going somewhere where it's like, okay, I should probably have a nice outfit on for this. Whereas if I'm coming to your house in Long Beach, no. No, but even what you were wearing to the Long Beach, me and Gracie both noticed immediately. We both see Charles seems like a little different. No, I don't think that's nothing okay. changed. And like for you, seem like like you got more chill with yourself. And like no, I think you're over interpreting. Nothing's changed. No, I have it's a new apartment same. that I like. That's like true. living here, yeah, that's, it's better. That's important. Better vibe. No, I think I think that you try to read tea leaves that aren't really readable. There's no, there's no <laughs> deeper information there. Okay. Why don't you volunteer for something? Why don't you pick mm-hmm. out a cause that you're passionate for, volunteer for it? Yeah, I don't know. What what drives you, Stephen? That's a good question. Uh, I think. Where do you find that purpose? You know, they wow, how how have all of us not become neat school shooters that's yeah it's really interesting well and i think also um i think a lot of people might have similar feelings and they just come out in different ways like i mean i think if i'm not mistaken suicide is the sixth leading cause of death in america now i mean that's 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 nuts yeah i mean so we're 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 in this place where by and large all the needs uh of daily life are kind of taken care of and people are saying fuck it this isn't worth it right um you know i mean i don't know that there is a country that's ever existed that has offered more opportunity to more people and yet we're seeing a lot of weird reactions to that yeah and um and i mean i I read this book once upon a time um going postal this guy mark ames wrote it have you have you read it Dude, I I saw the documentary. It's about the the shooter, Work, the, workplace shooting. Yeah. Oh my god. Which yes. you know, there was a time when like what the school shooting of I don't know what era it was, late nineties or something, where like yeah. post office well, shootings. No, yeah, were, it was the, you, the postal workers. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I, there's a documentary of this. It's so good. Yeah. So, so there, good. this guy Mark Ames writes this fascinating book. He and um, Matt Taibbi, who's the like Rolling Stone reporter who did a lot of stuff on Goldman Sachs and the financial crisis. Uh, the two of them were partners. Um, they were in Russia as uh, Russia was becoming, I don't know, a democracy or whatever yeah. they were calling it. And they were just like going hardcore extremist reporting on what what this is. Um, essentially, Russia kind of selling out its principles for this free flow of U.S. cash. And uh, so after that, um, Mark Ames writes this book, Going Postal, where the premise is the 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 workplace shootings that that he's observing um are he likens them to slave rebellions and the reason that he does that is it's, there were actually remarkably few slave rebellions considering how we can all look at slavery and go that's just awful you have you know freedom you have you're not but that the slaveholders at the time when, when a slave rebellion would happen, were completely blindsided. They would go, well, I don't get this. We've given food. Right, they, right, we're allowing right, yeah. them to play music. Where They had this sense of all your needs are met. 
why would you lash out at us? Right. This is crazy. And, you know, we can look back on that and go, oh, Jesus Christ, that's, you've literally enslaved somebody. Of course they would revolt. The human spirit likes freedom. But there actually were much fewer than you would think looking back. So it's interesting to think about looking back on this time where we have a society that's claiming to offer, hey, you've got opportunity, you can be what you want, power of the individual, and people are, are um, largely buying into it. But then there are these groups of people that are saying, no, I'm going to kill myself and or other yeah. people. No, I think it's definitely, it's so rooted in that the, those post office shootings are definitely like the beginning of this. I yeah. Think. Um, <clears throat> well, just any situation where you're in a place where you don't feel in control of your life. I mean, I feel like that I work in an office and. They moved my desk recently, <laughs> and that's been an unending source of anger and my trauma. Stapler, stapler. Yeah. Exactly. I like office based fucking somebody, nailed it. Somebody, somebody was mocking me and calling me Milton, and I'm like, <laughs> Milton is the most <laughs> relatable and sympathetic character in office space. Yeah. And I, I, I was sitting there. I'm like, I've been Miltoned. Yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible feeling. I understand yeah. it completely. And so, yeah. not that I'll ever shoot up my office because we've already had drama about that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely, on a low level, understand that boiling rage that can come when you feel out of control of what's going on in your life. Right. It's we. It's free. Yeah. We have opportunities, but those opportunities are just business opportunities. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, you can join up as a cog in this wheel or this wheel. Yeah. yeah. Whereas there's not a real sense of freedom. I mean, there's not really a sense of like, oh, I can, uh, you know, you, you, there's not even really a sense that you can break the rules anymore because you're being surveilled all the time. You know, like how can you even, you know, you can't even break the law or even small laws because your uh, finances are being tracked. Your phone is being tracked. You're being watched at all times. So any little transgression, I mean, think about, uh, you know, in the age of prohibition, when there was no cell phones, no tracking, no video recording, think about the shit you could get away with. You could get away with so much more stuff. You could stuff. be a real pirate or a cowboy. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, you could do those small transgressions. You could, you know, uh, get in a bar fight or something and not worry about, the oh, it's on closed camera. Now you're getting prosecuted for assault or, you know, these kinds of things. And I just feel like now... Yeah, it just doesn't feel like there's any real freedom. Yeah, there's opportunity. There's like there's freedom of choice of like of the consumption. Game. Yeah. yeah, like choose you can consume your video this game or this. character for yeah. this. Yeah, oh, and you can choose this job or this job. Mm. But and yeah, oh, you're free to try and build your own company if you want. Right. You know, oh, yes. But beyond that, the like the smaller more human freedoms seem like they're just gone and we are just this industrialized panopticon. This Panopticonal Santa Claus. Panoptic Santa. <laughs> Panoptic Santa Claus. Uh, well, and yeah, you know, it's how how do we get away from this? Though? Oh, it's and, like, it's, it just seems impossible. Well, it's interesting too we because I mean, destroy the machine somehow. Well, and then well, and I think that that's a conclusion that we're seeing people reach. And then there's also like the kind of seemingly paradoxic growth of something like UFC. Right. We're like, wait a minute, we're in a society that is like the most advanced, most and cage fighting yeah. is the fastest <laughs> growing sport. That's not nothing. Yeah. That's, that's, really, that's not true. a small 
and and I think the idea that um, in a society maybe that's not putting a premium on reality or what we are, for Elaine to come up where it's saying, hey, like you can have any idea that you think about yourself, but once that cage door closes, your idea is not really worth that much. Right. And your actual skill set and your actual mastery over your own discipline or your body actually is worth a lot. And, uh, and that level of, of, of real raw life is humbling and exciting to watch, you know I mean? And I think that's why someone like Howard Stern has built such a, a huge fan base, right? It's cause he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going there. I'm allowing myself the range of human experiences. I'm allowing people with like mental handicaps on my show. I'm not, I'm like keeping them off. I'm, I'm going to dive in. I want to learn about their lives. And there's people who can say, oh, he's exploiting it and stuff. And you could make a case, but the bottom line is by allowing real life into your life, you get this like energetic charge mm. by, by getting closer to reality. All of a sudden life is fresh and exciting again, because the bottom line is life is inherently exciting, but we kind of need to dull it out we become the orca and sea whale with right. the folded with over the folded dorsal fin, fin. and right. you're like he's literally like limp yeah. he's not erect for life anymore when he's free and he's able to really hunt and uh, that's that yeah. you see this power when you're stuck in a little fucking pool and you're like no but you can swim as much as you want yeah. in the pool. <laughs> you get as much food like, as you, you want literally yeah, endless yeah, food yeah, and, and you just as long as you need. get yeah. to work on time and do your tricks you right. know you're good and, yeah. you, and it's just you see that the the sucking of life out of uh, uh, us and and so other creatures. That's, I wrote an article about urban exploring, and we went like under the bridge on Seventh Street mm. and like found a homeless man. And there was one of the best things I've done. Wow! And I started with the that dorsal fin. Really? I started with that exact thing. Like yeah. if you don't get adventure, your dorsal fin like atrophies. <laughs>